HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, we at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the way that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists, to first-hand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners, to reports on how the crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org donate. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. But today, as always, in this new reality, we are all in different locations. I am currently in Alabama. Katie, where are I'm you? In uh, Connecticut, planet Earth. <laughs> Matt, uh, Brooklyn, baby. And Hannah, Brooklyn. Although it might oh, as well be right. a different planet from Hannah because yeah. like, what? One neighborhood over, never going to see you. I know. We were just talking about that. We we're like, well, we could each walk 45 minutes to Greenwood yeah. Cemetery and then wave at each other. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds on certain days like it might be delightful, but it's, I've heard you guys say it's very hot in Brooklyn. So maybe, maybe not today. Yeah, maybe not today. <laughs> not right now. Toasty roasty. Uh, our guest today is also not too far from me, um, from Atlanta, Georgia. Our guest today is Todd Richards. Todd, welcome. Thank you all for having me. We're so glad to be seeing your face again. It's been too long. And I mean, wow, I feel like Atlanta is kind of the middle of so many things right now. 
with coronavirus and elections and reopening. So first things first, just how are you doing? How are things in Atlanta? What, what have you been up to in these last few months? Uh, Atlanta is pretty great uh, to be in, to see it from a civil rights movement, you know, the birthplace of civil rights in the South. So you see a lot of those things taking shape and form. Uh, you see it as a beacon uh, of hope and continue to be a shining star, leading the way for, you know, injustices to go away uh, rather quickly. Uh, that's the great side of Atlanta. The other side of Atlanta is that we opened before everyone else and and half the city was was ready to go. Another half was terrified of those people that are ready to go. And so, you know, we, we are a divided city in some parts, but we are uh, united to all really staying healthy and moving forward. Uh, me personally, I am one of the unfortunate people that suffered from uh, COVID in March and I guess what this is sometime in June, I'm assuming all the days are running, still running together pretty much. And I am about 95% right now. We've heard a lot of people say that kind of the first inkling of, of feeling symptoms of, of coronavirus, COVID-19 was losing taste and smell. Did you experience that? It was so odd. I lost taste and smell more so on the right side of my um, face and everything wow. than the left side. So I can taste things that were salty, uh, but I could not taste a lot of things that were bitter. Uh, anything that was spicy, I really couldn't even taste. It was just hot. I could not taste it at all. And it was really just that quickly when I say that I was literally um, getting ready to go out and it hit me just that fast and had to sit down on the steps. And next thing you know, I was in the house for about two and a half months. Wow. I'm, well, I'm really so glad, glad you're feeling you're, better. Yeah, it's very nice to see your face and to know yeah. that you're getting better. I, you know, I, I would tell people, you know, that you, you can go out and do all these things and live your life. But once you realize how ill you are, um, you know, you can really... Uh, suffer a great, great deal from it. Uh, and it's, uh, I don't wish it on anyone uh, at, at all. Yeah. So, I mean, as a chef right now, um, and I think all of us who are, you know, tangentially tied to the hospitality industry, as, as we are at HRN, you know, we want to see restaurants recover. We want to see things bounce back. But um, it seems like a lot of the reopening is happening so quickly and you know for for you a chef in Atlanta how is that feeling right now with partly like business going back to usual you know I, I don't believe that that all restaurants are going to make it we already see you know in our listings that we have over 20 restaurants of prominence that have closed and not are not going to reopen the ones that had the ability to do takeout or catering or switch their operations rather quickly are the ones that survive pretty pretty well throughout the time frame. Uh, there's going to be tons of second generation, third generation restaurants that will be happening over the next year, probably two years. And so it's really difficult to understand what, you know, how to navigate because you're not even sure what guests want. And as a, a a chef in you know that has restaurants I can control my staff what I cannot control are the guests that come in 
And, you know, we assume that the guests are going to go in a restroom and wash their hands. Well, we cannot monitor them washing their hands, nor can we monitor them, you know, if they're going out on a date night or anniversary and they're having symptoms, but they don't want to disappoint their significant other. How are we supposed to monitor how, how ill they, they are? And the reason why I say it that way is because unlike where they say COVID has all the symptoms of fever and everything like that, I had no fever at all. I, I was actually colder than, 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 than my normal temperature. So you, you still just don't know. Uh, but financially, we all have to go back, you know, back to it, unfortunately, because, you know, we don't have any other choice at, at, at this time. I do also, not envy somebody who's opening in a place where the population is so divided about what to do, because at least like you open up a place in New York right now and you can guarantee that everybody is going to be like, yeah, I understand why you're wearing masks, whatever things you need to do to keep us safe. Like we're on board with that trade, but to have half of your uh, clientele be said or offended by the masks and then to have the other half demanding them sounds like an impossible position to be in. Well, you know, that's Atlanta in, in you know, a city that's really transient, uh, you know, in most part that most people, you know, are just still moving here. When I first got to Atlanta as a person who's transient, it was only 1.8 million people. And now it's 6 million people here. So, you know, wow. we have people from around the country that, that, that come here who have different sets of, of ways that they've grown up. And also understanding that, you know, a lot of the populace that lives in certain areas that are, are opening, you know, their, their income levels are a lot different. So they, you know, they feel some type of immunity to being sick because they can afford it regardless. They, they can stay home and work. Where you look at most people in the restaurant business or even hospitality in general, uh, they can't afford those luxuries of staying home. And that transcends, you know, to, you know, public transportation where we see, you know, bus routes have closed, things like that. So there's not really a choice for some people and in the restaurant business, uh, we, we don't really have that choice either after a while. We have to get our employees back to work. And then Todd, you, you have kind of, I'm sure some very unique challenges involved in the fact that you operate restaurants in what the busiest airport in the world. What, does the, what complications does that add on top of trying to think about reopening a restaurant in the middle of a pandemic? Well, you know, one thing is that we are um, where is a restaurant is on the street is conditioned by the people that actually come in, you know, from driving. We are solely based on what customers are arriving on planes. And so even in the model where restaurants can reopen on the street, uh, you know, when you look at Delta's report and they're saying that a full plane, all the middle uh, seats will be empty. That means, you know, 60%, you know, plane is full. That means 40% of our clients um, we won't have until, until planes get, you know, full again. So imagine, you know, how much staff can we actually really bring back at, at, at one, one given time? Also, you know, because there's less flights, there's less concourses open. So one of the restaurants, you know, is reopening. The other restaurant, you know, we have no time frame in which is going to reopen because the concourse isn't even open. So you know, we have a landlord, but we also have a, a, a Department of Aviation who oversees the landlord. You know, so we have so many layers of people that we have to check with before we can even think about reopening. It makes it a very difficult uh, proposition to, to continue. Did you have any that you were, I, I always wondered whether restaurants that were in concourses that were still operating, whether 
those restaurants were required sort of like contractually to remain open or whether, did you have control over whether your restaurants remained open? Well, you, you certainly, you, you know, there's always a level of, of control. You know, the, the airport, uh, and, and a lot of times people don't understand, they're, they're the best partner for anyone who has a restaurant uh, in the airport. The airport has always been a great support and a great sponsor uh, and a great partner uh, for us. So they understand if the concourse is not open, then how, you know, how are people yeah. going to get there? So, the, you know, and they're very proactive in the way that they discuss these things, uh, both externally, you know, to the public and internally with us as operators to make sure that we understand how to do the right thing. So Todd, you, you mentioned something earlier that I think is gonna take us to the other hot topic I'm gonna talk about, about just the transient population of Atlanta, how much the city has grown, especially in, in, in Atlanta. And there's so much discussion right now about Georgia having the swing state status. And we saw what happened in the election. Was it just yesterday? I lose sense of time. Uh, yes, on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And Tuesday. And what was your experience with, with election day? What were you seeing? What were you hearing? What were you experiencing? Uh, fortunately, we were uh, uh, the people that did get absentee ballots. Um, and we got confirmation of our absentee ballots were received on June 6th. So that was pretty good to know that our vote was counted three days prior. I, I do know that a lot of people stayed in line for a very long time. And, and voting, but I want to make sure that that's not just the narrative that people are hearing and, and understanding voter suppression, because you know if you don't vote, the alternative is that that person is going to be in office for thirty-five thousand hours. So I'd rather spend an hour, you know, four hours in line to vote than than for the candidate that I don't want to be in there to be in there for thirty-five thousand hours. That's just my my perspective. But what we have to understand is that in the voter suppression, it's more so that. That the state uh, secretary of state is blaming the people who oversee each, you know, polling place as as the people that were doing wrong, but he's the person in charge of them. So he took no no blame of the situation him, himself, uh, which is 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 typical. We expect that we've seen that done before in this state. The other issue is that what communities did it affect? Well, it affect, you know, black community, brown community, lower income communities. So we already understand that, you know, coincidence, you know, only happens twice. When it happens everywhere, it has to be a plan for that. And someone had to strategically plan or, or, or did a very poor job of planning in order for those, you know, things to happen. That being said, the Biggest disappointment I have is when people were kicked off the voter roll, where I know there's a, a lady who's 84 years old who's been voting every year since she had the opportunity to vote, who went to a polling place, and they told her that she was no longer eligible to vote. Or we hear stories of people saying that they can't vote because they're convicted convicts when they never set a foot in jail. Those are the things like that that we're finding that, you know, is really disheartening, but it also galvanized us as a community to make it uh, a, a better place, to, you know, to vote. And now I hear even more people are volunteering uh, for ways to help people, um, you know, get to the polls, understand how to get your absentee ballots and make sure those things are done. I know my family is really going to invest a lot of time in doing it. The restaurant's going to invest time in doing so. so you know, we can not just get caught up on the amount of time that people spent. We really have to get down to the root cause of what caused all these things to happen. And that starts with the Secretary of State. 
I've heard so much in the past two days about, um, you know, blaming the, um, you know, the, the issues with the time it took to vote on, you know, polling places not having enough staff or resources, but that all seemed to happen in um, sort of higher population areas, which correspond exactly, like you said, with um, communities of color and lower income communities. And so, you know, there's this sort of across the board under-resourcing that is totally consistent with those populations um, and the demographics within them. And uh, it just, uh, it's like you said, it's, it doesn't look accidental. Well, you know, what, what really um, is a telltale sign of it, when you look at it that, um, you know, when we talk about fiscal conservatives and, and there's a lot of people on, on both sides of the aisle that have fiscal conservative values, that we just spent $192 million on new machines, new protocols and all that, and we had this happen. So, so it's already going against fiscal conservative you know, values that we spent $192 million and got absolutely you know, the, the, the wrong end of the deal. That doesn't make any sense at all. And that's why I'm saying that it has to start with the Secretary of State. Because for me, I can go both sides. Of it. I can go to the liberal or conservative side when you spend $192 million and you don't get what you want, then that's a problem. I saw I saw a tweet today that I thought summed it up. If we can deposit a check with our cell phones, yes, there's no excuse for our voting system to not work. You know, but that, that's that's a big issue just in general. You know that that we all have to continue to fight for. When we talk about education, one thing COVID has shown us with kids being home from school and having to learn that they have more technology, you know, in their in their pocket than the teachers have in their classrooms. And, and, and that's, that's really a, a grand problem that we have overall, that we say that we're a technology advanced country and we do things, but when kids have cell phones and they have more ability to, to teach themselves on a the cell phone than a teacher has you know, in the classroom based off a of lack of technology, then really how advanced are we? We have to get past all that smoke and mirrors and get down to real you know, solutions and, and, and really you know, advance our country forward if we're going to stay relevant in the world. So on that note, with um, it, it, the, the news is so dramatic from day to day, um, and especially I think with in Atlanta with this voting problem. But um, you know we are in the midst of a massive movement of um, people coming together in support of Black Lives Matter, and you know I think we are starting to see some changes that cities are committing to. Um, what does that look like in Atlanta? How hopeful are you for lasting change? Well, change is difficult, first of all, and, and, and most people uh, would acknowledge that. And you can't erase uh, years and years of uh, systemic racism in one week. Uh, and what we are finding is that the youth really are not growing up the same way that I did, and they don't want to have these same problems moving forward. You know, it's really us, us old farts that are getting in the way of the youth right now. Uh, I said us, I meant me. You guys are way younger than me. So, you know, but, you know, we're getting in the way of youth. But what makes it really great uh, to understand is that racism has no place in any society. And the world is telling us that. And just like all the isms of the world, you know, sexism, all those things need to go away. The interesting thing that I find is that we have so many allies uh, 
that are looking for us to solve problems for in racism. They ask, uh, you know, black people, you know, or myself, you know, what can we do? And the biggest thing that I tell people that you can do is to hold, you know, other people accountable. You know, if you see someone, you know, if you're white and you see someone white being racist, how are you holding them uh, accountable? Uh, you know, is, and it's not just enough to say they can't use the N-word. It's not enough just to say that you can't call someone boy or things like that. The question is, is you know, are your hiring practices consistent? You know, are you paying fair wages? It, are you ensuring that real estate values are, are equal across the board? Is the educational system there? And that's what's really going to take time. Everyone's going to have this emotional response, and it should be. It is an emotional response to watch someone die in front of your face. But after that, how are we going to have real long-lasting change uh, moving forward? And the catalyst is, for that is going to be restaurants. Restaurants are going to be a big part of that discussion uh, moving forward, because no longer can you charge, you know, three, four dollars for a bowl of collard greens that take two days to make good. I mean, you just can't do that anymore. We cannot continue to pay wages of, of seven, eight, nine dollars an hour. You know, we need to get rid of minimum wage. We need a living wage. All those things have to take place. You know, tipping is, is outdated. You know, it's from 1% to 25%. That's an outdated function. We need to get rid of that and actually pay everyone a, a, a living wage. So those things like that will actually fix racism more so than just the natural cry of emotion that everyone has right now. And I'm curious, like, you're a restaurant owner, and I'm sure that, you know, like, margins are tight, and it's hard to, like, put that change in place. Like, do you see that the solution to these sort of, like, crazy wage inequities in the hospitality industry, like, does that, is that something that individual, like, restaurateurs should be you know, making happen? Or is this some sort of like government supported transition um, for the industry? I, I believe it's a combination of both. Uh, let's talk about taxes first when it talks to, uh, you know, to uh, what it affects for restaurants. I mean, we pay, you know, a significant amount in, in payroll taxes. And we also pay, you know, upwards between one and a half to three and a half percent in credit card tax. And I say credit card taxes, not fees, is because we don't take cash anymore. And we have to pay fees on that. So think about if a restaurant does a million dollars, you know, that's $30,000 in transactional fees because we don't take cash anymore. $30,000, you know, for six employees, that's $5,000 each. That can provide a living wage. So we're being taxed, you know, from just because of the fact we don't take cash. We are payroll taxes. They're not really covering anything that an employee can spend for right now. It's going to Social Security. So now, you know, we're required to be the savings program for, for, for people. And that really goes against, you know, our core values of, of, of freedom of America that we have to, you know, take, collect money for people and tell them they can't have it for 40 years if you start working at the age of 25. Those things like that are government form. The other side of it, though, is that, you know, that the racism and, it, and the sexism it comes from customer base. The customers have to be willing to pay more for, for the goods that they get, and they cannot just judge it on the face of what the person is consuming. 
If I make a bowl of, you know, of, of collard green ramen or David Chain makes a bowl of, of ramen, you know, we still can only charge so much for that ramen equally. You know, he might be able to charge more because he's Asian than, than I could, but it takes us, you know, a great amount of money to make a bowl of ramen. We can only charge so much money for it. So it really has to come from a customer side of it as well. And we have to be starched, you know, in, as a restaurateur to say that we have to charge appropriate price for our wages. Well, speaking of ramen, your collard green ramen from your cookbook, Soul, is like just the best, the best. You know, people ask me what is the most popular dish, uh, and I would say that one is probably the one I see the most um, uh, done is the collard green ramen, and it really just makes sense to me, that dish, especially since I ate it when I was a kid. I mean, I, was a, I grew up on that dish, so it was really great to put in the book. Uh, that one I see, I see everywhere. People make it and made it, make it all year round, and it's great. Uh, the catfish in the book as well, the fried hand pies, uh, and and now everyone because they've been home, they're all making a rum cooler, um, the Ooh. strawberry rum cooler that's in the book. And I tell you, that thing is dangerous. I, I mean, you get a picture of that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, uh, you know, if you if you have a picture of that and you're sitting at home by yourself. Uh, you, I'm glad, Kat, I'm glad you brought us around to the book because I've been thinking about this too. Um, I, well, first of all, um, growing up in New England, my, my aunt was saying the other day, she was like, what's the deal with grits? Like, they don't taste good. And I was like, yes, they do. And I <laughs> showed her your recipe because it is the best. Um, but that hot sauce shrimp and your grits. And um, I still haven't made your fried chicken, but um, I'm feeling like it might be time. Um, yeah. Yours is absolutely the best. Uh, but I'm glad you brought up the, the rum drink because the other day I, I had my hands on my batch cocktails book and I was like, eh, should I, shouldn't I? And I looked at it, it was like, makes 10. And I thought, uh, might be, <laughs> might be a lot. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to see my parents this weekend. So there will be four of us. <laughs> right. So I'm like, this seems like a really good idea and strawberries totally just reasonable. came into season my my parents just have their first like strawberries in the garden this week so um yeah that's I'm, gonna be I'm great lining that up i think but uh have you been hearing from people more if i from what i've heard there's been this like everybody was on the home cooking train and then everybody was exhausted so where is your community at with cooking and takeout and time management? Uh, well, fortunately, just me being at home, um, my wife, people always ask her, it must be great to uh, live with a chef. And she said, he's never home. Why the hell you think it'd be great? <laughs> he's never home. And then for the last three months, you know, I, I've been home and, and cooking and ordering, you know, you know, food, um, you know, uh, seafood straight from Alaska and, uh, you know, supporting the CSA in, in, in the neighborhood. So, you know, she's been uh, a great, you know, uh, that I've been home. Uh, but this last week, I've been kind of busy getting back to, to normal life. And she's, as I can see a little bit of disappointment in, in, in her face, you know, that I haven't been home last night. I got home at 10 o'clock and I just can, I can, you know, I walked up the stairs very gently uh, to say, uh -huh. to say, the, to say the least, you know. Melissa's but, like, can we go back to quarantine, please? I'm hungry. Yeah, for a few, for a few brief months, being married to the chef was actually the way that she had imagined it. 
Yeah, uh, we got some beautiful turnips uh, from uh, Free Will Farm, and I uh, just made them for about three days straight, and all different ways. One way was just beautiful curry turnips with, uh, and had some leftover salmon skin and Christmas skin, and just chopped it and folded it in. And she was like, "This is crazy." Like, you know, I don't know why, I don't know why you don't cook like this every day when you're home. It's like, well, you know, you know, you don't, you, 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 you know, you know, you know, people don't understand, like accountants have the worst books, bookkeeping their own, because yeah. they're tired of counting, you know, by the time yeah. they get home, so. Um, did you have a comfort food when you were sick? Um, well, you know, I, I would say, that's a good question. I eat a lot of oatmeal, and I still eat a lot of oatmeal. I eat oatmeal three or four times a week. Um, I would say also, uh, I, I probably eat the same thing in breakfast. I eat chicken sausage with uh, waffle one day and oatmeal the next day, and I still do that. I've probably been doing it most of my life. Uh, I would say that I've been sober, too. I haven't had a cocktail for the entire time either, which is different to me. Like the world is so big right now. It's like, I never knew the world could be that big from not drinking. Um, I, I would say that's different. Uh, the food I, that I, I really believe I ate the most outside of breakfast was a lot of toast uh, with fig jam. And our garden is just coming in as well. So we have mustard greens and things like that. We have Philly mustard. So making a lot of salads with those. Uh, just trying to get back healthy was 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 great. And ginger tea, ginger tea was the best thing for me. So. Not 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 a not a extravagant diet for a chef. Mm. Simplicity is 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 key sometimes. But you know, before I like to think I about a, before I had an egg allergy. You know, I used to eat scrambled eggs all the time. Now I have an egg allergy, so I can't eat them. But scrambled eggs, I would make all the time. It's just really nothing better than soft scrambled eggs little sea salt and some fresh herbs. Yeah, I, I just think it's really, um, it's interesting, like what what do we go to when we're feeling badly, but also, you know, with the, the taste and smell thing, like what kind of works when you don't feel like eating? And there's, you know, you, you think about, it's common to hear about like people in cancer treatment having um, taste and smell impacted and like what is the most appealing for them to eat in those cases and um I, I would say that you know that on the other side of it the ptsd of it was uh, was really difficult um because it took a long time for the taste and smell to come back and here i'm a chef and you know it's like asking a pianist you know to walk around with cast on their fingers uh, um and i can visually see things and know that they're ready but i am a you know, type of cook that I actually hear and smell things to know when they're ready more so than just tasting them. And I still have the uh, ear ringing uh, in my right ear, which is pretty, pretty loud from, from it as well. So it's still, I still don't have all my pure cooking senses back. A lot of things I have to pay quite more attention to in order to make sure that things are cooking, cooking properly. But the muscle memory, everything else is there. The physical opening the oven, uh, grabbing tongs, you know, grabbing towels, all that. That muscle memory is there. And I just look forward, you know, to getting back into the kitchen, you know, full, full time uh, with the staff in, in a safe environment. But also 
you know, changing this economy for, for restaurants because it's, it's my responsibility as an owner to do so. On that note, let's take a super short break and we're going to come back and Todd, we have a new game to challenge you to on HR and Happy Hour. Uh-oh. We'll be right back. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. Any last questions for Todd this week before we play our game? I don't have a question, but what you were saying about the olfactory way that you're able to like interact with dishes that you're cooking, like that would be the most amazing addition to a cookbook is like talking about like, this is what it sounds like when it's ready. And this is the texture with your fingers, like just in your spare time. I would write that book. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know right. you, you know, you've got tons right. of spare time. Right. Uh, <laughs> when you retire, you can write that. Yeah, right. Um, you know, what's interesting is like bacon. Bacon is one of those things that, that tells you when it's ready. You can hear the sound of bacon and know that it's ready. You can smell it as well. So I always use that as something to tell people, what do you mean the sound of it? Well, you put anything in the fryer or you cook bacon, it's really loud when it starts. And as it gets done, you know, the, that noise really starts to silence. So it tells you when it's ready. And that's the beauty about, you know, about cooking that you can use all the senses uh, that you have. And people ask, you know, all the time, why did I put a playlist in the back of the cookbook? And I did so because it gives people a rhythm to actually cook with. So that, you know, there's a timing, cooking is all about timing and, and understanding that. So if you chop in rhythm, if you, you know, approach the soul, stove in rhythm, if you plate in rhythm, then it makes cooking a lot more enjoyable and you get to use all your senses while doing so. Um, speaking of music, um, while you've been cooking and, you know, being at home and thinking about reopening your restaurants, has there been any music you've been listening to a lot lately? Uh, a lot of music. Wow, that's, that's great. You know, I will always start my day um, very low-key and mellow in the garden area or somewhere there. So it's always something softer. You know, I, I'm, I'm really uh, into lounge music anyway, you know, just in, in the morning. Uh, then I will probably rev it up after that. I, I believe that I stay on the reggae channel for for most of of, of the day. Uh, as later on the day, I mean, it can go from anywhere from from Algerode and Boscags to Sia. You know, it can go all the way. You know, to, you know, anywhere and go old school rap. It doesn't really matter. Music to me is is part of being free. You can find yourself in whatever genre that you wanna wanna listen to. So the, some great new music out of Atlanta lately, the new Run the Jewels album. Yeah, you know, that, that you know, everything is so timely right now. It's, it's, it's crazy. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy mm -hmm. how, you know, how, how artists, you know, always have a, a sense of, or a pulse of where things are going before it really, it really happens. Just like you look at restaurants with, um, you know, with, with the women's movement, you know, we've been talking about this the longest before anyone has really said it. And, and, and equality in the kitchen and wages, we've talk, been talking about this. Not everyone wants to do, you know, do something about it. And, and it's the same thing with any other artists with, with music. They have you know, said that we have to get to more just um, society. 
And, and I would even say sports is, is like that as well because they have the pulse of the people. They have, you know, fans right there. Everything they do, just like us as chefs, is instantaneous. You know, they make a great shot, it's done, it's right there. But they can never do that same great shot at that same moment again. Just like I can't replay that same plate of food at that point in time, at that point in time again. I have to allow memory, I have to create memories in order for people to do so. And that's what it's all about. Uh, just uh, speaking of the arts being really, really prescient, I know I'm a little bit late to the game here, but I finally watched the season finale of Westworld last night. And uh, I had to be like, is this the news? Did I, like, did we change the channel? <laughs> it was, well, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but um, uncanny that uh, this was produced whenever it was produced to be on online right now, but um very striking. Well, well, you know, all those conspiracy theory people that have way more time on their hands than I do say that, <laughs> that movies, that television, they already know what's going to happen. They put it out so that we won't get alarmed, you know? I was like, well, it's still pretty damn alarming to me, but okay. Yeah, consider <laughs> me alarmed. <laughs> it yeah. worked. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, so... We're getting towards the end of our show and Todd, we, you know, we typically do trivia at the end of our HR and happy hour, but um, since we're doing this virtually now, we're doing a new game, which is, which is essentially, we're going to ask you to pick an object in the room that you're in and we're going to play 20 questions to try to figure out what the object is. Okay. So you let us know when you're ready and you have your object in mind. I am ready. Okay. I'll keep I'm track. so impressed with how quickly people make their decisions. <laughs> well, you know, Chef, we got to go. We don't have time. <laughs> You're like, this is it. <laughs> All right, Kat, you're tracking? I'll, I'll track. What are we going to do without Dylan? No, seriously, we're lost. Yeah, we don't have our, we don't have our pro. I, I know her line, though. Okay, go, Hannah. What's her line? Channel. Is it bigger than a bread box? No, that's no, not it's, the line. Is it bigger? No, that was replaced by, is it bigger than your head? <laughs> Bread boxes yeah. are too variable. Yeah. Hey, Todd, is it bigger is than it your head? Than a <laughs> oh, I, I was, is it bigger than my head? Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. That's all I got. Is it, is it decor? No. Is it edible? No. Is it... A book. No. Is it a tool? Tool. No. Hmm. It's way more fun getting to see um, people's faces while we <laughs> do this. Usually we can't see each other, but today we're recording on Zoom and it's way more fun. It, well, okay. So, is it is it on the wall? Yes. Does it move? No. It's not decor. It's, <laughs> it's not decor. It's not a tool, yeah. but it's on is the. It, wall. Is yeah. it electronic? No. Oh God. Uh, what else goes on the it, wall? Is it part of your home? 
Like, like did it come it, with? Did it, it come uh, with the house? Yeah, if I was purchasing the house, would I get the thing? No. <laughs> this is really hard. Kat, I like seeing how you keep track of our number of questions. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. pictured it being like in a spreadsheet and that's oh. yeah. not my hand. I understand why I understand why it starts to get fuzzy after 10. <laughs> um Okay, consulting with the teams. I don't want to blow a question and make you guys mad. But I know that I asked if it was a tool, but I want to ask, is it functional? Is that different enough of a question? That's so, is it functional? It's so vague. Though. Everything yes. is functional. Who <laughs> says it's functional? Okay. Right. Well, I, I don't know but it's not electronic. Me. It's not a tool. It's, it's not decor. decor. I'm wondering if it's a it's mirror. Is that a question? I no. think that was oh, a no, you already, you already oh. answered. You, you answered, answered it. We have to answer, so you made it a question. We're counting it. <laughs> okay, it's 11. Uh, we got to narrow it down. This is too... Well, okay. All right. Is it... Um, wait. Okay, not a question. Uh, would, like... <laughs> we love our non-questions. Wait, mm-hmm. it's, it's... We said it is functional and it's not a tool, right? Yeah. Yes. So what yeah. about, like, a heater or cooling... Thing. Would that fall into? But that would come with the house. Should we ask for a hint? After 20 questions, the hints. How many more do you have? We have nine questions. Nine to go. Oh, wow. Um, I can give you a hint. This is. Give you a hint. It's um, not good at this. This is where we have I, our I, friends I, I, on I, the show. I'll I, I give you a hint. I'll make it, make, this will probably make it too easy. Uh, uh, disposable. It's disposable. I'm going to count that as a question because, like, we don't deserve. Yeah. We didn't deserve yeah. that. You're too no. kind to it's us. Disposable. Um, but I still I'm, don't I'm know what that like, is. I'm picturing like Dexter, and the room is like wrapped in plastic. <laughs> what? What, it, it, if what I, kind of life do you think Todd leaves? I can. Yes. I can like ask. I can like make a guess of what it is, and that doesn't like end the game, right? No, you can no, guess. Yeah, you can guess. Yeah. Yes. Hey, you're it's making a, the rules. It's man. a yes or no question. <laughs> right. You're just yeah. Is it a is it a calendar? No. That's a really good guess though. Thank you. That is a great guess. It would have to be like a really <laughs> ugly calendar to not be decorative though. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, functional, uh, but it wouldn't be a tool. Ah. Uh, I feel like a calendar. It's disposable. Is it um Mm. I got nothing. I got nothing. I like legitimately have no idea. Well, what else do you dispose of, if not tools? Um, you. Dis- what What would you have on is a it, wall that you? Is would- it single use? Yes. Oh, it's a single use thing on the wall. Is it a? A post-it a- note. No. It's bigger than his head. <laughs> oh, it's a really big post-it. <laughs> Is it like a face mask because you're living that COVID life? It's bigger than his head. No. Oh, it's bigger than the head. Oh, God. <laughs> That's two, two wasted questions. Yeah, we're, we're pretty we're good lose. at that. That's one of, the consistent, one of the consistent elements of the game is that we like burn a couple questions because we're not listening to each other. <laughs> it's, a team, it's really a team building How many, exercise. We have five left, Kat? Four. Oh. oh man, you guys are okay, right wait. around it too. Tiger it's single use, but... it's disposable, it's 
big. It's on the wall. It's functional. Yeah. Functional, but it's not decor, not edible. Bigger than his head. Is it? Is wow. it like, like I'm, I just feel like it's like, this is not, not a guess. Don't answer. <laughs> you can't keep doing like, that. <laughs> no, I'm consulting with you guys. Um, is it like a tarp or a protective wall covering of some? I'm, that's what I'm wondering. Should we ask a question about that? Are you doing? Yeah, you only have four left. Is, I ask, are you doing home improvement right now? Am I doing home improvement? No. Is, is, it, being, is, somebody, is, somebody, is it being done? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, God. it has, has, has zero. Well, oh. well, I mean, it has a little to do with home improvement, but I mean, it's not really home improvement. Three questions left. Oh, this is so I hard. I, I mean, you guys it? are so, so, so around it, too. I mean, so, it's so baffling. <laughs> Garbage? Okay, I'm just, how are we not getting it? Is it made out of paper? Yes. Oh. Is it blueprints yeah. for a new restaurant? No. Yeah, one single question use? <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah single use. You can only use it for the one restaurant, yeah. and then you got to come up with a new Okay, one. it's paper. Something made out of paper. All right. Hold on. Got, like, someone's got to go for all or nothing. Um, prepare, prepare yourself to be amazed. <laughs> <laughs> that you guys pull this off with one question yeah. left? Watch. Oh, Again, after no. burning, after burning three questions. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. It is to go for it. A functional paper, single use, disposable, large thing. <laughs> Have you been having like a, no, this is not a question. This is a joke. It this sounds a, a lot like a question. No, Aria. this is a joke. <laughs> I'm thinking of like the big brainstorm session, like pads that's yeah. still on the wall. Like, oh, yeah. been, like, yeah. like, I don't know if there's been brainstorming. I'll put that in the question you already asked and posted note and I already said no oh, to that. Oh, okay. So, so, okay. So I will, Thank I, you, John. It was a great, yeah, that's a, that's that was a great oversized, guess, guys. Oversized yes. post-it note. Yes. Uh, I, I have a guess, but like, I think my guess should be like the last resort because I don't think it's what it is. I got, You're I, at the last like, resort. Like, Just make no the guess. Idea. That was my last idea. Do the thing. Katie, nail it. Go. We believe in you. Oh, I must just walk over here too. <laughs> okay, wait, should I guess? Oh, wait, I guess. are we going to get to see it? All right, yeah. Katie, good. Yes. I want to hear your is guess. Is it an x-ray image? X-ray image. Why the hell would I have Look up your lungs or something. Thank you. Oh, was wrong. We lost. We reveal. I mean, you guys. I mean, you guys just went all what, around it. It's, just, it, it's paper towel. <laughs> oh! Why were they on the? How is that on the wall? Paper towel goes on the wall. Like yeah, I mean, it does. It, 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 it does. Oh. It's, it's sort of like it's a it's a tool for drying your hands. I'm dead. You know what? Oh, not you a guys... tool. <laughs> okay. I mean, just you guys like... were right there. Some notes for a future for the team. <laughs> Sometimes uh -huh. we're really smart and we figure out what room they're in. And oh, that yeah. does help. It does help. Yeah. That was well, a really good, hard. That was so, so good. hard. You guys were right. right there. I know. I we were to, like, do more crossword puzzles or something. My brain. Yeah. Oh, well. we, well, need you to, we need you to stage a beautiful photo, shot, uh, photo shoot of those paper towels because we need them for our episode yes. art. Yes, I will. Photo I will. I will. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, so Todd, you, you bested us in, the, in 20 questions. Well, Congratulations! Cool. I, I want you to know that last week, prize. last week we did it in record time. Mm -hmm. 
Were so, you lost your records on? No, no, we didn't lose. <laughs> oh, okay. I just wanted, I just wanted clarification. No, whenever we saying. lose, it takes precisely the same amount of time. Uh, That's okay, how the game okay. works. Okay. And with, and with um, Jay Cohen, too, we got it pretty fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just well, want you to know that we don't always lose. We don't always lose. We normally have Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, know what, you know what second place is, right? It's first oh, place man. loser. Right? <laughs> yep. This is good lessons for parenting as I prepare myself for oh, man. a hey, growing I, boy. Hey, I, have, I have three of them, and I teach them all the same way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, well, it has been such a pleasure having you, and uh, I'm really so glad that you're feeling better, Chef Todd, and um, you know, looking forward to the day where we can – make it back to Atlanta and eat your food again. And uh, in the meantime, I have my copy of Soul, which is my comfort through this time. And you have inspired me to make some strawberry rum drink. Yes, most definitely. I thank you all and make sure that everyone stays safe, uh, stay kind. It's so easy to get bitter with all this going on, but you know, we need more kind people in the world right now. Thank you. Great, great last words. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you. All right. This has been HR and Happy Hour. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you, Todd, so much. HR and Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.